Stuart Gandop here again, and today we're talking about the State of Healthcare Marketers study, which has just been released in cooperation with Greystone and Klein and Partners. So congratulations on that, Rob. Today I have Rob Klein, who's founder and CEO of Klein and Partners, and I also have Tony Klein, who's co-founder of the company and the digital practice lead. So I'm pleased interviewing them both today, actually. I looked at the study already, and it's hot off the press about yes. three days ago, yes. and I found it the moment it came out because I love sharing your stats at my seminars, uh, sharing it with our clients, and it's such a terrific resource. And so I thought it would be fun today because obviously we're going to point in our blog post to the actual study itself so people can download it for themselves. So today I'm just looking for context, like the three things, the five things, the seven things that you guys think were most surprising, most important, most foreboding <laughs> for the future, and maybe we'll just do sort of a around Robin here and jump into it. Rob, do you want to start? Then Tony, Tony, take maybe point two and we'll kind of have some fun with this. Thanks again for, for having us on, Stuart. I think one of the big things that is a challenge that we're facing in our industry that really kind of stuck out the most in this this third annual wave of our research, I should probably back up just quickly tell you that it, it is an online survey, and we talked with 240 healthcare marketers and digital marketers uh, across the country that work at hospitals and health systems of all shapes and sizes a- across the country. And so for the past three years, we've asked them around 70 or 80 questions about what they're doing, what they're not doing, what are they planning on doing, what are their budgets, how many FTE do they have, all of those wonderful questions that we're just dying to know what our peers are doing. And I think the biggest aha that we really saw from this is there seems to be a little loss of confidence in CRM. That was That's the big thing we're seeing, that people are not confident that they're able to present CRM to their executives. And I think what we're noticing in that is that we even ask people, how would you rate your level of, of knowledge of CRM? The vast majority of respondents said intermediate or beginner. So what we think is happening is people over the past four or five years have gotten really excited to hear the stories of some of these healthcare organizations that have developed CRM and they used it and had a really cool outcome. They went home and said, I want one of those without realizing there is a very steep learning curve that this is not a plug and play. CRM is not a tool necessarily that you buy and plug it in and say go and then the ROI just starts coming in. It is a strategy that has many different tools that can help you to accomplish a more intimate, targeted relationship with your customers, as I'll call them, as opposed to patients or your, your prospects. And it's typically three to five years to really recognize a solid return on investment. But what's happening is with the C-suite, they're saying, what did you do this quarter? What did you do this quarter? So the marketers are not armed with enough knowledge and confident with their C-suite to say, this is going to take a while. This is a chess match, not a checkers match. Humor our listeners, because some of our listeners are very, very sophisticated. Others aren't. Some probably don't know what CRM means. So maybe give a sense of what it actually means and the promise, because I'm not surprised, by the way, at all by this, because it's a whole new vast area of opportunity. But if you're not very sophisticated, it's, it can be kind of a rat's nest of opportunities. So help our uh, listeners, the ones that especially that aren't professional marketers, maybe understand what it is, what the potential is, 
and where it was, should go if it's done right. All right, Stuart, you've just asked the million-dollar question. That is probably at the crux of the problem. CRM, customer relationship management, the, the definition is it depends on who you're talking to. That's one of the biggest challenges. We, we actually, I was at a CRM conference, and we actually sat down and said, what is the definition of CRM? There was not one definition everyone could agree on. And these are marketers. And these, right? are, the, these are the users of it. The problem is, and I've talked to a lot of our friends that are CRM vendors. And they all admit when you're talking to them, yeah, CRM, we all tweak the definition to highlight what we do best. That's part of the problem is whoever you talk to, their definition of CRM is just a little different than a competitor because it's based on what they do best. You know, that's not good or bad. I'm not, I'm not definitely don't want to knock any of them. CRM is so new in healthcare, we're all still trying to figure out what it could do. Yesterday, Paul was talking about CRM and and HIPAA restrictions, and then you get into the area of market automation. So there's a lot of confusion, in my experience, between how do all these things integrate, how do we work together. And again, these things are very easy in concept, but we love, for example, market automation, and that's a monster. (laughs) It's not about making things easier. It's about getting more complex and figuring out how to get things more effective in the marketing. But you need some sophistication to be able to pull this off. Well, has the disappointment been in terms of the amount of money they've spent or not really understanding it? Have people talked to you privately as you do your surveys? What do you think the problem is just in the real world with your hospital people you're working with? It's a multifaceted problem. It's we just spent a lot of money and they want ROI now. And so some of it is just setting expectations. I think it was the new shiny object that everybody wanted to jump on the bandwagon, which happens all the time in lots of industries. We all play follow the leader. That's such a common human reaction. But this was a very expensive follow the leader. And it has a multi-year payoff, not a six months or a nine month payoff. Having to recalibrate expectations with senior leadership when right now, and again, just to jump ahead real quickly with our, our survey that we completed, the two biggest pain points that our, uh, the respondents in our survey were saying is we don't have enough budget and we don't have enough FTE, especially in the digital realm. We don't have all the people we need to make the digital strategy, whether it's CRM, whether it's our website, whether it's uh, marketing automation, you know, email campaign, pick your, uh, your poison there. Whatever it is, we don't have enough bodies to do it justice. And so we're, we're struggling to to show ROI, not because there's 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 nothing wrong with the tool. Whatever CRM vendor you're using, it'll do what it's supposed to do. But it requires enough staff and, and funding to be able to, you know the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. If you don't put the right data into it, it can't spit the right data out. CRM doesn't come prepackaged. It is a tool that needs data, just like SPSS that I use for analyzing my statistics. It can do regression, but if you don't put data in, there's nothing to analyze. So that's the analogy I use. CRM is data hungry. And so that's a very laborious process up front to feed it and to set it upright before it can give you the output that produces ROI. We've heard the term from financial services, the flavor of the month. And that's what CRM feels like to me. It's funny, Today we were talking in a session and somebody was asking about SEO, which is a whole different topic. And the lady sitting next to me said, that sounds like an amazing amount of work. And I said, that's what you pay SEO firms like ours for, right? There's a million moving parts. And CRM is even more complex. And to think, first of all, you have to understand the strategy of what it is you're trying to do. Then you have to have create resources for it. Then you have to execute. So there's a lot to it. Oh, then by the way, not that there's any politics in hospitals on data and getting things done. It would never happen at all. Never. It's really easy. So there's a lot to that. So Tony, we just talked about, Rob just talked about the the disappointment mm-hmm. with CRMs. You know, what's your recommendations? 
Yeah, I think it's really, you know, it's a long-term play, right? And it's something that we just need to set expectations correctly with a C-suite and just continue to work with your CRM partners to understand, you know, how long it's going to take and really look to them for their expertise and ask them to help you position this with your C-suite that it's just not going to be a one-and-done type scenario and that we need to make sure that this is more of a chess match in terms mm -hmm. of what you were saying, Rob. So much more of a long-term play. And I think right. we just need to be patient. Another thing that surprised me in looking at the research was the number of hospitals that said they were actively doing digital marketing, whether it's AdWords or Facebook, paid mm -hmm. social. And that surprised me. It seemed, I don't know if there's sample bias or maybe it's more sophisticated than I know. Or maybe they're all taking like little bites of the apple. You talk to these people all the time. Yeah, yeah, what do yeah. you think is happening there? There's a lot of investigation. There's a lot of trying. You know, maybe it's, I'll use a funny term, it's, there's a lot of dating going on. Mm -hmm. So let's try this. Let's try this. Whether it's let's try Pinterest or let's try Google AdWords or they're trying different things to see what sticks. But I do think what's happening is there's a beginning. I see the beginnings of consolidation where we've tried 10 different things. These eight things aren't working that well. Let's start consolidating around what we know it works. What's funny is you have all these new things that have come out after Facebook, let's say. But what we're seeing is Facebook, they're running back to as the go-to. That's the interesting thing. It was the first toy in the toy box. Everyone got excited. Then new things came along and they started going away from Facebook. Ooh, let's try this. Ooh, let's try that. Now they're realizing Facebook was kind of my solid first BFF. Let's mm -hmm. go back to it. And so that consolidation, I think, is going to start happening. Because you think about it, you can't have the budget and, and the staffing to manage campaigns across eight or nine different tools. It's unmanageable in today's world. So if you find two or three that really work well, then you're going to consolidate around them. People that know me know I have lots and lots of analogies when I talk to my team, when I, when I speak, and loosely translated from Finding Nemo when they're going down into the abyss and they're seeing, I think it's anglerfish. And my joke is, they don't actually say this, but shiny lights. <laughs> I feel kind of happy. And so the shiny lights were uh, all these different things that are out there, which are all possible. But even the biggest staffs only have so much bandwidth and so much time. And so we are absolutely, that's why I love interviewing you so much, because we are so much on the same page. We always come back to, okay, what's working? The 80-20 rule. What's the 20% of effort that yields 80% of the results? paid social on Facebook, for example, pay-per-click ads, Google Display, some of the other things that we do for our clients, we'll yield most of the results without trying to do every possible social media. Like I noticed Periscope was listed on your big last year, not so much this year. Right. And I can see why. You can only do so much. That's actually a really good insight. And maybe people are becoming more mature and approaching it. Because certainly if you're looking at it from a social media professional's perspective, we have to do everything. But if you're looking at it from the CMO perspective, I only want to do this stuff that really matters because we could spend a Absolutely. lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy. And then by the way, there's also the potential for blowback or all kinds of problems with things that don't even matter. So that makes sense. Going forward, you also spend a lot of time with user testing, web design, those kinds of things, Tony or, or Rob, whichever you want to comment on. What do you guys see as the trends now with usability, UI, UX? Like today, I had an interesting thing from the Cleveland Clinic they were talking about, but let me hear your comments first. You know, in fact, actually at the at the roundtable at our conference today, that was the subject is pain points on the user experience in the website. And what we have found with the tool that we have that we're measuring is that the two biggest pain points that users have are paying bills and setting an appointment. 
Those are really creating major challenges. And if you read the verbatims, what they say, it's very disconcerting. There's, they're, they're like, you force me to come on this website to pay my bill, and then you make it so difficult, and I can't pay my bill. Do you want my money or not? Wow. And so it's, it, is, it is very frustrating. People will say, why can I go on OpenTable and schedule a restaurant reservation, but I have to call and argue with the doctor's office to schedule an appointment because I can't figure out how to schedule an appointment on your website. It doesn't work, or my doctor's not even listed, or they have no times listed. You want me on your website, but you make it very difficult for me. I think it's so important that we recognize today's healthcare website is the digital front door. It is a brand building or brand hurting relationship. And I'll tell you, one of the questions we ask on our on our web tool, uh, survey tool, is did this website experience reaffirm positive, existing positive or negative feelings you had about the brand? Or did it create new positive or new negative feelings towards the brand that you didn't have before? What we're founding, we've got about 25,000 interviews into our new, our new tool. And 11% across the country of website visitors to a hospital or health system are saying this experience created new negative feelings feelings towards that brand that I didn't have before I came on the website. So multiply multiply 11% times the number of unique annual visitors. Is that a scary number? I say that better be a scary number. And so we're able to profile what those people look like, what they're doing and why they came on and what's bothering them. You know, the websites, there's so much detail on healthcare websites that in focus groups, people say, I feel like I'm Alice in Wonderland and I've gone down the rabbit hole. And if I get lost, I can't back up. And I'll tell you, in our omnibus survey, three clicks and I'm out. People are losing their patience. And what they're telling us again in focus groups, they're now comparing their website visits in healthcare to retail. So what they'll say is, why can't you be more like Amazon or more like Zappos or more like their favorite hotel or their favorite retail site that they go to? So they're no longer saying, well, I went on this other hospital website and it was much better than yours. We are being compared to retail. And remember our other podcast, Retail Has Learned Healthcare, Faster than healthcare has learned retail. So we have a big challenge ahead of us with our websites. And if we don't realize that they are the digital front door, we're going to treat them like online digital yellow pages. It is not a one-way conversation anymore. It is a two-way dialogue that can either enhance your brand equity or erode it. Yeah, and what did we learn from Google, too, in terms of the expected load time on the site that was reduced down to three seconds? Versus what we were hearing just not even six months ago, around seven or eight seconds, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it just shows how do we keep up with changing demand that's happening so quickly. One of the things that came up today that I was uh, alluded to a moment ago is Cleveland Clinic did a a bunch of user studies for its website. And those of you that may know on the navigation for mobile, they call it the hamburger. Us in the trade call it a hamburger. And I've always asked my team, do we really know that? Oh, yeah, everybody knows what that does. I'm like, I don't think so. And so Cleveland Clinic, according to their survey, not one user study, usability study person knew the hamburger was the menu button. So they've replaced that with the word menu because people weren't getting it. So fortunately, our sites, we've been doing that anyway, but it's really easy for the tech guys to be very, very excited about things and assume that everybody on the planet is equally as sophisticated as them. And I have to remind them, when I'll do our seminars, I'll ask the audience, how many of you knew that the homepage is clickable from the uh, the logo? 
And usually about half the hands go up. And these are doctors, executives, and marketers. And a lot of the audience doesn't have any clues. So people tend to really, really overestimate the tenacity, motivation, and sophistication of their users. And that's fraught with peril for sure. So as we begin to wrap up here, perhaps you guys both have one final bit of recommendation you'd recommend based upon the research this year in terms of where we're going. So I'll start because I'll give you a chance to think about it. But I think that really going forward, if you're, as you're thinking about your marketing, what we, the themes we've been talking about already, the 80-20 rule, the things that really matter. We talk about this all the time. And as I've gotten maybe more wise at what I do, because we used to come out with marketing plans with dozens of ideas. And now what we have found is for our clients, things that are passive, things that we we can do for them are easy really matters. Like easiness, we've talked about that before. They want it now, they want it easy. So when it comes to your own marketing, what things are easy, implementable, realistic, practical, and really matter in the scheme of things? Because you can get lost in a sea of activity. Maybe one last example, I'm going to jump into you guys. For us on organic social media, for a lot of clients, that's not as important. It's not showing up. Facebook has cut the algorithm back. It's not mattering as much. So we're supplementing with paid. It's fast. It's easy. So I'm not saying don't do organic. We love organic social media. I don't want you to misunderstand but we really have to prioritize. So, Tony, comments? Yeah, just some comments just to add to what we've been saying before. Is just, you know, this is really a long-term play. It's a very strategic decision, and it's going to be more of a, you know, a chess match. And really, uh, our advice is just to really stay the course and work with your partners to better understand the, the specific KPIs that you're measuring for all of your marketing activities. And don't expect, you know, a, a one-and-done. It's just going to be an ongoing, an ongoing effort. But... Certainly worth certainly worth the wait. So be patient. I wanted to add uh, something that uh, had some discussions with uh, uh, one of our speakers at the conference uh, that we're at right now um, was from Google, and they were showing us some numbers about the absolute explosion of videos that's happening, even more so than now. And I definitely get that because we are very visual as a as a as a human race, and we like to see and hear things. But what's interesting, uh, I recently read Procter and Gamble pulled all of its ads off of like YouTube and all of the other video content producers because they were having their ads showing up against questionable videos and they didn't like to be associated with that. What they did is they pulled everything second quarter and they actually saw a 2% organic growth rate in their sales. So they came back to Google and you know YouTube and others and said, you know what, we're going to stay on the sidelines for a little longer because clearly we did not get hurt by not spending 170 or whatever million dollars that they took out for that quarter. That's got the likes of YouTube and others shaking in their boots. They, they're not sure what to do. That could have very big implications on the actual efficacy, if you will, of banner ads and videos and things like that. Are people actually looking at them we we there's uh, there's a discussion i read ad age quite a bit and the big discussion now is how do we actually identify a valid watch of a, of a video ad is it you click on it do you have to watch it for one second two seconds halfway through all the way through they are arguing that tooth and nail and it's not been settled because how how much you watch it is going to be how much are the advertisers going to pay for that. So it's that it's that whole discussion of how much is that worth? What's a quality viewing versus a maybe an accidental click on or you watched it for 1 second? Do you pay full price for that? 
that's an ongoing challenge as healthcare marketers, as you put videos together and you put ads that run on video sites like a YouTube, are you really getting the bang for your buck? I don't have an answer for that yet. That's so funny you brought that up. And this just goes to show how our industry changes really daily. So today, for example, like while I was sitting in session, sorry to some of the speakers I listened to, it wasn't personal. I got an email today from Google to be in full disclosure, we're a big Google partner. We do a lot with Google. We're friends with Google. And we got an email from them about this very issue, about the brand and being next to good content and bad content with very explicit recommendations. So it certainly has their attention. And uh, it's something that literally maybe two hours ago I was reading about. At the same time, during the same session, I was writing an email to my team. I'm multitasking. I can't help it. I'm ADD. Just ask anybody who knows me. It's about, um, we have a seminar coming up in New York. We're going to start hitting with marketing automation, all the attendees, right around the close of Friday, our first day, with videos about what el- how else our firm can help them. We like the idea because it's not intrusive. I don't have to be a big sales pitch while I'm talking, but we'll say at the end of the meeting, hey... No pressure here, but a lot of people, like I would say, a third of the people come to our seminar checking us out, wanting to hire us. They're just like, this is the last step to sort of sniff out, sniff us out. Third come in with their arms crossed, like, don't sell me a thing, and like, that's okay. And a third never really occurred to, but there certainly is an audience that wants to know more about us. And so we chose video as the way of doing it, opt-in video, so they can come and see, get a peek behind the scenes. We also have one that describes some of our marketing planning programs that are available. And so video is so powerful and you have these issues swirling around. Literally today, those two issues were on the top of my mind. So that's really, really important. Rob, Tony, as always, it's been fun interviewing you guys. Colleagues in arms, we at least understand each other <laughs> in the wars that we face. Give us your contact info in case anyone wants to contact you guys directly. Thanks again for having us on, Stuart. My email address is rob at kleinandpartners.com. So that's rob at K-L-E-I-N-A-N-D-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S.com. And Tony's is quite easy. It's just replace Rob with Tony, T-O-N-I. And our direct line for our office is area code 630-455-1773. Thanks again, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. Awesome. You guys uh, were great, as always. Uh, Thanks to our listeners. You guys make this possible by supporting our company as well, not just listening, so we appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks again.